Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the founder of Fancy Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Abhinav. He is the CEO, CEO over at Rocket. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. It's a pleasure having you and I'm excited to learn more about Rocket and what you guys are doing. Um, so to start off, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about the company and essentially like what got you in this space? Thanks, Luis. Really excited to be here. Um, so uh, my name is Abhinav. Uh, you know, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Rocket, uh, which is uh, AI-driven recruiting for startups. We work with a number of clients, uh, all the way from seed companies to high-growth startups like Carta, Robinhood. And the premise is very simple. We help startups hire. Uh, and of course, we have some very large clients as well, but <laughs> the same premise works for them. You know, I've taken a very interesting path towards here. Um, we had a startup before this that was acquired by SurveyMonkey, and we were working in a very different space. We were working in the competitive intelligence space, um, and I'll tell you more about how we got there in a second, but uh, we realized our biggest challenge was actually hiring. You know, uh, it wasn't the technology, it wasn't the product, uh, it wasn't the strategy, it wasn't the, uh, often a lot of startups struggle with the team dynamics. It wasn't any of that, we just needed to hire, and we hired something like 12 or 14 engineers in the space of six months, so even though I was technically the CEO, I felt like my role was with chief recruiter and I really realized uh, you know I got a lot of respect for recruiters in that time boy they work really hard and are an underappreciated bunch uh, you know in, in the tech world so uh, first of all big sort of uh, hats off on that um, and one of the things that I realized was hey look I keep doing the same thing again and again I'm looking at hundreds of profiles I'm reading the same thing I'm sending them kind of essentially very similar emails I'm doing all of this workflow it's very manual and I kept bugging our CTO at the time and saying, hey, can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? And then one day he just kind of snapped at me and he was like, listen, are we doing the company we're doing or you want to do a different company? And so I was like, all right, all right, I know what you're saying. And he's like, I can't dedicate any engineers to any of your side projects. So anyway, I kept on doing the random thing I was doing. You know, we used every agency out there. We used every platform, you name it. Hired, uh, Triple Byte wasn't around then, but hired. We used Indeed, we used Monster, you know, whatever. Everything, we used them. Um, but it was still hard, uh, and I spent, I think, no joke, 50-60% of my time on hiring. And, and, you know, I think as a founder, you really should. It, it really determines the trajectory of your company. But a lot of that time, I felt, was wasted. So anyway, fast forward, we got acquired by SurveyMonkey, great acquisition for us, for our investors, all of that. Uh, we stayed and built the product for a couple of years at SurveyMonkey. Uh, and then when we left in 2016, uh, basically the same founding team got back together again and said, look, what are the problems we had in our first startup that we can tackle as a second startup? Uh, I mean, a couple of them, uh, you know, how to do kind of dev automation tooling better and a couple other ones. Uh, but we kept coming back to this hiring. We kept coming back to, boy, did we spend a lot of money. You know, when we went back and looked at our startup finances, we spent the most amount of money uh, to Facebook because we were doing a bunch of ads. So we spent, uh, apart from our salaries, you know, we spent uh, probably like a third of our funding on uh, Facebook or just ads. And then the second biggest thing was uh, Amazon for uh, kind of uh, cloud services. And then the third biggest was recruiting. So we paid agencies, we paid, uh, you know, for job ads, we paid for Facebook, et cetera. We kind of said, well, it's really hard to compete with Facebook on, on advertising. It's really hard to compete with Amazon on the cloud front. But man, this hiring thing, you know, we spent a lot of money there and we really think we can make a better version of that. 
right? And so that's kind of what got us started in Rocket. We started in earnest in kind of mid-2017, raised a seed round. We were very lucky, you know, as repeat entrepreneurs, we raised a seed round pretty quickly uh, mm -hmm. before the product was really even built. Uh, and then I've just kind of been kind of on a gradual expansion since then. You know, we're 30 people now in uh -huh. San Francisco. Uh, we're in uh, near South Park and then just opened up our second office in that's awesome. Vegas. I'll tell you more about that in a second. So anyway, long-winded answer, but that's how we got into this. Sweet. That sounds like a super interesting. And that's one of the things that you typically see, right, with, with really like any sort of startup, like you'll see some sort of issue come up and then you decide like, I'm going to do that as well because I don't see anyone else doing it. Uh, or I see a big space where essentially I can come in and, and do something, not just for the monetary value, but also valuable, right, where it's going to help a lot of people actually focus on what their main focus is, which is awesome. So I really like that. Um, I think you caught up there for a little bit. Uh, I think you're back. But that, yeah, you, you're good. And uh, so, so how long has Rocket been around? So we've been around for about two and a half years now. Okay. And how many clients do you currently have? We have more than 100 clients today. So, um, you know, uh, we literally just signed a client uh, actually before I got on the call with you. So nice. our client today is uh, Hub House. Uh, they help, uh, I don't know if you've heard of them or not, but they sort of make uh, better housing by sort of having, uh, you know, allowing people to have different models of housing in cities. So uh, mm -hmm. really cool companies are, we're looking to uh, get started by helping them on their growth growth team. Um, so anyway, it was just on my mind because I literally signed the contract before I walked in. <laughs> Very yeah, cool. Uh, you know, 100 plus clients been working with many of them since the early days. Um, so for example, uh, we just helped one of our earliest clients, actually I think they were our first client, Simple Legal, this really cool company out of uh, Mountain View that does legal operations work. They sort of have better workflows for legal operations because mm -hmm. I didn't realize it at the time, the legal industry is super antiquated. They use a bunch of faxes. Everything is done over email manually. So they had this cool kind of technology. And they were a YC company also. They, they had this cool technology to sort of improve and streamline operations, not just in internal legal departments, but also between the legal departments of companies and outside agencies and all of that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, they were our first client. We just helped them hire a DevOps engineer like last week. So uh, many of our clients we've been working with kind of uh, all along this time. So when when you were you know essentially like recruiting on your own, what was aside from doing all the manual work, right? As a, as a recruiter in that case, what is the the second biggest issue when actually finding the right talent? I think the, in my mind, the second biggest issue is trying to understand fit. Uh, and this is, I think, where human empathy plays a massive part, right? Like if you get on the phone and you talk to someone, um, you can get a good sense of, by asking them the right questions, you know, why are you interested in this role? What makes you qualified? Why is it that, you know, if, if our client is a small 20% company, you know, why do you want to join a 20% company while you're currently working at a thousand person company? Have you thought about how that's going to be different? Have you right. thought about what that impact is on, on a bunch of stuff, right? Your kind of what your title might be, what your day-to-day -day looks like, what kind of career trajectory you're going to get, what your hours are going to be like, what your compensation is going to be like, right? Every, like, I think we don't quite realize it and, and people talk about it all the time, but work is such a huge component of our life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's um, everything, and, right? You know, I, for example, yeah, I mean, I, I probably see my wife less than I see some of my work colleagues and, and my co-founder. I've been working with him 
since 2011 uh, when we met at Zynga and our wives joke sometimes that we see each other more than we, you know, we see our respective spouses. So yeah. uh, that fit is really important. Now the challenge is there's not enough time to be able to talk to every single candidate, right? And I'm sure you see this all the time and a lot of companies see this all the time. They barely have enough time to talk to all of the candidates that apply to them on their website. Mm -hmm. Let alone go decide, hey, I'm gonna look at a thousand profiles and I'm gonna try and decide who's the right fit that I should spend time sort of engaging them and following up. And I think that's one thing that our technology, you know, we're making lots of sort of uh, leaps and bounds towards is, if you get a profile and based on where they work and when they went to school and what they say in their profile and kind of the career trajectory they have, trying to determine if there's a good fit. And I think the most experienced, the most talented recruiters, this is what they do really, really well. They just do it all up there and it's not like they're consciously right. thinking about these right. 20 processes. It's kind of just happening for them. Like it's kind of like Malcolm Gladwell's books, you know, blink. They just see it and then they get it, right? Now what we're trying to do is how do you kind of capture that human intuition? So how do you capture it so that when our algorithm looks at a profile for a particular client, let's just legal in this case, and we know where all the feedback that we've gotten from their VP of engineering, David, how can we incorporate all of that? And then when we look at a profile, try to approximate, hey, what would David Liu think about this profile? Would he like this person? You know, is this person gonna be hands-on like David wants? Are they gonna have the right Kubernetes experience based on everything we know about their profile, the kinds of companies they're working at? You know, are they working at some big company that is likely to sort of have very good processes or are they more at a startup that's maybe the processes aren't as defined, but the pro you get is they're probably working with all the newest technologies. They're probably using open source. They probably have a much more agile environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and then do they have the right mix? And then a little bit around, do we think it's the right time for that person to move? You know, if they're kind of, where are they in their career? Where are they in, in compensation terms? All of that. So that's what we're trying to sort of, uh, almost automate and make easier for recruiters. And, right. and I don't think the human journey is gonna go away anytime, but we right. can help humans get their job done faster, right? So we have a team of 20 recruiters here, a uh, couple more in Vegas in our new office there. We're just trying to help them become faster, better, uh, and beat all the other recruiters out. That's awesome, that's really cool. Now, when building the company and actually growing, right? Like you just opened up a second office, uh, so it's clearly like the trend is, is upward and, that, and that's good, what are, essentially some of the best acquisition channels right now for you? So we've been really interesting. So, um, you know, we've done, for our previous companies, we've done a lot of Facebook advertising. Uh, of course, at Zynga, where I met my co-founders, we did a lot of viral marketing. <laughs> Zynga is really well known for, I'm sure you got several yeah. <laughs> in the early days of Facebook. Everyone in the planet probably did. What's been interesting this time is that uh, we've done a little bit of tests into some of those channels, but actually what we've found that works really, really well for us this time is just referrals from existing clients. So we actually have zero salespeople today. Um, the closest thing to a salesperson in the company is probably me and my co-founder. Okay. We barely spend time on it uh, and certainly not much outbound. So a lot of it comes from, you know, we work with a company, uh, they have a great experience with us. And then if someone asks them, hey, like, you know, is there someone you could recommend? And, and I think one of it is the tribe of sort of startup founders and operators is pretty small, right? If you're a head of HR, you're necessarily talking to other heads of HR in, your, in the industry, whether they're partners, frenemies, enemies, whatever it is, there's kind of a pretty tight ecosystem. And I think, uh, you know, people tend to sort of share partners that they've worked with that work really well. And so that's where a lot of our business comes from. 
Um, so for example, we just recently started working with a client out of New York called Republic, and we were introduced to their CFO by the, uh, I think the accounting manager or controller at another of our clients called Newman New York. So that's just kind of how that uh, introduction came about. So we found that to be kind of our, you know, best working channel today. Right. So, so there's no like paid advertising going on or anything like that. Is there any other form of marketing at all? Are you putting out content? Uh, are you doing like emails to, you know, maybe like a list of people that you have or something like that, or just absolutely relying on, you know, referrals for now? We tested all of those little things, right? Like we've tested some Facebook ads, we've tested some Google ads, we've tested some outbound email, we've tested kind of, we've, we've tested some content as well, there's some blog posts and so forth. We haven't quite found that any of them really worked at the level that we wanted them to be. Now, some of it might be because we're not at that level of sophistication. We're not big enough, right? We're, we're a 30, 30, 35 person company here. So it might be that in the future they work, but for now they haven't quite worked for us. So mm -hmm. our solution has just been kind of this uh, kind of client driven. One of the nice parts about it is also, you know, people talk a lot about sales qualification or marketing qualified leads. We actually don't need to do that because all of our leads come very, very qualified, right? So when one of those leads pops in, it's usually so high quality that me or my co-founder Arjun can actually drive that right away. And that's because they're coming essentially from somebody that's been through that same issue. So like, it's me, let's say that I was a company, then yeah. I'm having that issue and I'm talking to a different company about it and they just send me over to you. So exactly. that's exactly it. And that pain, they understand you, they understand what the problem is. They also just know that, you know, if it worked for them, then there's a good chance it will work for you. And, and kind of, you know, there's a little bit of a bonding on, hey, what are all the reasons why other agencies we've tried in the past didn't work out, right? And you're like, oh yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Like, these guys don't flood you with the resumes, they don't send you poor quality candidates, they don't just waste your time, they don't give up if they haven't found the right person in three to four weeks. They, they sort of just keep marking, like, you know, whatever the things are that our clients like about them, and then many of those things are, they, we find that they really share them with each other. So one of the biggest tools we use actually is NPS. I don't know how familiar you are with kind of net promoters. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think to some extent, the biggest growth driver that we have is our NPS, right? And we track that really religiously. You know, my co-founder will uh, survey our clients on a very regular basis. We track NPS scores. Anytime any client gives us a score that's like, that's not a nine or a 10 on that, on that MBS score, you know, we're sort of almost right away, like, hey, what's going on? Why is it that we have a client that's not happy? You know, what can we do better? We'll reach out, you know, try to make it right every single time. And, and I think that that's just the strategy that's paid off. Got it, that's awesome. What is the single biggest challenge that you're currently facing while growing the company? I think the single, Thing is as we grow the company you know when we were smaller um i knew every client right i uh jumped on every client kick up or me or my one of my co-founders uh, we had that client relationship we could step in if there are problems now we're getting to the point where uh you know we have so many recruiters so many clients that i don't know any of all of them right don't right. know the relationship i don't know their particularities i don't know what they're looking for i don't know how they came to us so I think just scaling the company, it's a very common challenge. I think scaling the company to survive without the co-founders is our next step. And I don't mean that in a way that we're going away anywhere. We're of course still right. here. <laughs> is able to, you know, 
document the processes, to be able to uh, sort of duplicate them, to have playbooks for everything. You know, how do you do a client kickoff call? How do you, uh, you know, how do you get client feedback? How do you make sure that if you've stumbled on something that you can recover from that uh, and so forth? And then how do you train and sort of manage the next set of employees that are joining the company? Uh, I think is pretty critical. Um, so that's number one. Um, and I think the, the second one, and, and that one, by the way, is going to be very interesting because uh, uh, we're about to have a baby, my wife and I, in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be stepping out. For some time out. <laughs> I'm going to be stepping out for a couple of weeks. So, you know, I think particularly my mind is focused on that about I just want to make sure everything goes well uh, while I'm out. The second thing I think for us is uh, the next phase of strategy growth for the company is opening new offices. So we, I mentioned we just opened our Las Vegas office. We hired three awesome recruiters there. Uh, we're starting to work with some awesome clients there like Play Studios and then in discussions with some of the casinos like uh, Caesars and MGM. And so um, but the challenge is, you know, now that's another entity that's not here in San Francisco, right? And of course, we can't be there all the time. And then we've kind of right. flown back and forth to get them set up on our technology, our processes, our way of doing things, sort of quote unquote, the rocket way. Mm -hmm. And making sure that um, Heather, who's the, who's the location manager there, Heather and her team can now start executing independently, right? And then we give them the right support that they need, but also the right independence so that they can continue delivering that. And, and so the, the thing that I really am curious about and want to prove out is how fast we can get that office operational, how fast we can get that office in a place where it doesn't need as much from us so mm -hmm. that we can go in the next office and the next office and the next office. And because our, our kind of our strategy over the next sort of five year horizon calls for us to open you know, anywhere from 50 to 75 offices in the U.S. And so wow. that is a really critical part for us so that we can almost, uh, quote unquote, have a template for how do you open an office. Totally. Um, and I think it's a, uh, it's not a, it's not a other companies haven't done, but just getting it right takes time. Totally. And well, I mean, maybe other companies have done in, in, in the past and whatever, right? But it's not, it's not your company, so to speak. Right. So like, it's always going to be something different. Even if you copy exactly what the other players have been doing, it's right. not going to go the same. So things change and, and there's obviously like a lot of different variables. So it's got to be a little bit different. Yeah. Um, what is, if you, if you could, you know, put your finger on, on, a, on a mistake essentially that you've done as you've built Rocket, yeah. what has that been and what did it teach you? I think the, probably the biggest, biggest mistake that we made um, is not go not target executive hiring in the very beginning and the reason we didn't target executive hiring in the beginning was very simple you know I think uh, we looked at it and said well most of our clients they want to hire one VP of engineering but then they want to hire 10 engineers underneath uh, him or her right and so it's going to be a much bigger volume play to target the 10 engineers underneath the one VP of engineering so and if the VP of engineering salary is much higher, let's say it's 30 to 60% higher, it's just one of them. And so that was kind of the mindset. And, and so that was one. And I think the second part was as we were starting up, we didn't have as many super experienced recruiters that could necessarily chat to that VP of engineering, or we would have had to go hire a completely different kind of recruiter profile, right? The recruiter who can talk to an engineer is very different than a recruiter who can have that same kind of conversation with a VP. I think uh, fast forwarded by a year, so we kind of realized this mistake about earlier this year. So we probably spent about a year or so kind of uh, going down on that path. Was yes, it's never going to be a very large part of our business, 
But I think it's really important to have executive hiring. And the reason it's really important to have executive hiring is for a few reasons. Number one, uh, many teams will scale the team after they've hired the lead. So when they bring in uh, the right uh, head of product or when they bring in the right head of engineering, then they're gonna hire the rest of the product team or then they're gonna hire the rest of the insurance team. So we often miss out on knowing when that's gonna happen. So if you have an executive hiring team, uh, you are intuitively just aware better from a client perspective of when that hiring is gonna start, so you're in better position to assist them. So kind of from a sales strategy, from a client strategy perspective, uh, it's useful. I think the second benefit it gives us is that if we help hire the head of engineering, then we have a unique insight into what she or he wants for the rest of their team, right? And so we can be better positioned to be a partner with them for their subsequent searches. So even if they continue using us and they were hired by somebody else, let's say an executive recruiting firm um, or whatever, it's not that they may not use us, it's just that we don't have that same insight about what drives them. We don't have that same connection with them. Um, so that's kind of that second part. Um, and then I think the third part is, Sometimes clients perceive, and, and you know, this is more of a perception problem than anything else, but sometimes clients perceive that you don't have expertise in a domain if you're not hiring for some of the senior leaders in that domain. And when the truth is actually the opposite, right? And so I think if I had to pinpoint something, that would be the thing. And of course, now we've sort of, uh, starting earlier this year in 2019, we kind of changed that up. Uh, we brought in some senior people, you know, we actually basically, Aqua hired a firm that was in the accounting and finance space uh, and GNA space and brought in some senior leaders who can do some of these executive retained searches. Uh, and we're seeing that part of the business, A, do well, and B, sort of some of the hypotheses that we had on the beneficial effects it could have. Very cool. Now, uh, a couple more questions here on, on the business topic. What is, um, you know, I guess, actually, what like, if you could pick out a company and and you know study it and and essentially follow like their footsteps. Which one, Which company would that be? I think. Well, that's a very tough question in this day and age because there's so many startups that are doing just amazingly. You know, anytime I think about our clients, one kind of uh, satisfaction that I that I have from running this role is that we just get to meet so many founders and so many cool companies that you know all the time. I'm talking to my co-founder. Wow, if I wasn't, you know, doing, we weren't doing this startup, we would love to work for this company, you know, because they're doing just such awesome things. They're, you know, for example, one of our clients, Robinhood, you know, I don't know if you have a Robinhood account or not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just awesome, like what they're building, and it's so great, you know, putting kind of the ability to buy stocks without any fees, and, uh, you know, it's just incredible stuff. Uh, similarly, Carta, another one of our clients, you know, really just making it easy for startup founders to manage their, their cap table. Uh, to kind of manage employee equity, all of the rest of it. So, so we really get to see some cool companies. But I think the one that I think is probably uh, one that's on my mind to emulate is actually Compass, um, kind of the real estate agent company. And part of the reason is that their model is very similar to ours. And I think they've just had flawless execution over the last sort of uh, five to six years. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think they also realize that just like recruiters have an empathetic connection to employees and candidates, real estate agents have an empathetic connection to homeowners and, and buyers, right? And uh, technology in Silicon Valley might think, oh, we're gonna get rid of the real estate agents because we don't fully understand why they deserve their 6%. And you know that seems like a lot of money. I think, and so a lot of these previous generation of companies you know, were aimed at around 
disintermediation of the real estate agents. Uh -huh. I think what realized really, really well um, and executed well against that is just, hey, no, the real estate agents are critical in the process, but they don't have the time that they could have, right? So what if we build really awesome tools for them? What if we hire, you know, build them the best platform that could exist so that they could do their job better and do what they do really well, which is actually talking to their clients and showing them houses and helping them understand whether to buy house A or house B or helping their, you know, the seller understand, should I take this offer? Should I wait out for a higher one? Should I take a cash offer? How do I do my staging, et cetera, et cetera, and focus less on all the operational part of the business and all the rest of it that they don't probably don't even enjoy as much. Uh, and now, you know, I don't know, I don't know what it's like uh, in Arizona, but in San Francisco, I feel like a lot of the great agents have now just adopted compasses, right? So they're no longer from whatever agency they're with. They're now just a compass agent. Uh, and of course, the company's growth and financial results and all of that have followed from that as well. So yeah, definitely a big inspiration to us. Very cool. Have you ever found someone to recruit for another company that you, that you thought, you know, this person's really good and I almost want them to work for Rocket? Yeah, so um, we tend to have kind of uh, this pretty confidential process because uh, what ends up happening is we have a lot of recruiters that are working for uh, different companies, right? And so we don't, what we don't want is, and, and we deal, by the way, with a lot of confidential information. So some of our clients might tell us, hey, listen, uh, you know, we're going to be expanding into this office or into this product, so we need to help you hire. But then, mm -hmm. hey, that information is confidential, so please, you know. And so we tend to segregate out all our sort of clients and so forth and, and recruiters pretty tightly so that people don't have uh, that sort of conflict of interest and there isn't any inappropriate information that's true. Right. But at the same time, we do use our own technology and, and dock footed for our own hiring. Right. So actually, one interesting that happened uh, was that uh, somehow the recruiter internally that was using our, all our same tools and, and all of that ended up targeting the same candidate that was in process with one of our clients. Uh, and of course, I didn't know any of this at the time at all because it's, we just try to keep it separate. We just try to keep it, uh, you know. Um, but what ended up happening is that the candidate actually uh, went through the final rounds with both with us and, and with other companies. And um, the candidate actually ultimately chose us. <laughs> so, uh, and it was... Uh, and I, of course, I found out after the fact, and, and uh, one of our clients that actually, uh, you know, that it happened to was a little bit like, hey, what's going on? I'm going like, you're not using this as a way to just steal our kind of pipeline. And I, you know, it was a tough conversation because I, I understood where he was coming from. Like, I, if I were in his shoes, I would also have that same question. But I just kind of took him through the process of like, look, I didn't know about this. That's just not how we're running it. It just happens to intersect on the same planet and so forth. And by the way, it means we're doing something good because. <laughs> you know, that same process is uh, the same kind of people. So, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, ultimately, if the candidate chose us, uh, you know, it's probably a good thing for you guys, not for any other reason, but I, I really believe people should get to work where they're most passionate, you know, where they feel the most connection. I, I think it sounds a little bit corny, but our really our mission is to try to find people the best home uh, from, uh, from a Right? And I think if you just think about it, uh, you know, right now you're an entrepreneur working for yourself, but at some point when you had a job, if you don't have the best job, if you don't have the right job for you, you can waste like, it's easy to be at a job for eight hours, but actually be tuned out, right? And maybe yeah, yeah. two hours of work and the rest of the time, you're kind of just passing the time. Totally. And you can be at a company where you can be working 10, 12 hours and even then you're having fun and contributing so much, right? And so the gap between those two states is so massively high that sometimes I feel like 
if we could really get everyone in the world into the job that's right for them. What they want and enjoy. Just imagine what the productivity of the world would do, you know, what that would do to the world if if that happened, right? Now, it's really hard because people don't often know what they want. Uh, You know, I'm not saying the challenges are easy. I think people can sometimes join something and realize it's not the right thing for them. And of course, different people want different things, right? And that's kind of why, you know, someone might come in and say, oh, an atmosphere is too intense or another person may look at that and say, we're not moving fast enough and so forth. Mm -hmm. But if you could somehow find that fit, I think that would be great. So coming back to it, you know, it's just, Looking through the angle, okay. Well, look, yes, it sucks that that person chose us instead of you, but to some extent, it's good because maybe he's just more passionate about this, uh, yeah. your problem space, and that's better. And then you might as well hire someone who's just as passionate about your space. And you know, we don't care about just hiring you someone who joins, we care about someone who joins and then has an amazing impact uh, yeah. on that client, right? So, recently, you know, one of our recruiters got really excited because. Someone we had placed at a client, uh, you know, had their one-year anniversary at that at that company. Uh, I think it's called Jobbox. That's the name of the company. And they and the CEO of the company, or I think it was a VP of engineering, posted something on LinkedIn about hiring that how hiring that person was so great, such a good decision. It had such an amazing amount of impact over the last year and so forth. And the recruiter at Rocket, Anjanette, was so excited about that. You know, she she like liked that LinkedIn shared it. You know, and, and so because it's just a feeling of hey, I'm touching someone's life and, and making a positive contribution. And particularly over long periods of time when they're sort of blossoming in their new role, uh, as a recruiter, you feel a, a ton of ownership and a ton of sort of uh, like an element of like, hey, I contributed a little towards that happening, right? Uh, yeah, and, and it, 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 it's not just that too, right? Like it's, it's obviously like it's that, but also whatever they're doing to that company and what that company is providing to the world essentially. So there's yeah. a lot different things that you can look at and say, you know, like, I definitely like, I'm the reason why that happened pretty much. So that's no, pretty cool. And, you know, the, the closest parallel that I can think of it is, uh, so I originally, I'm from India. I, I, my dad was a diplomat, so I grew up around the world before coming to the U.S. But in India, there are sort of these, you know, professional aunties that go to all these weddings and they're whole, they're all the, the only thing they're focused on is who are all the single men and all the single women here and you know, can I care, who can I care with who? And then they take a, you know, it's funny, like many years down the line, if it ever succeeds, they take such an amount of pride on that. Like, oh, yeah. I got you that together, yes, see? Uh, and all these kids and everything that's come out of that, that's all due to us. Right. Uh, and, you know, in a funny way, our recruiters feel that same way about some of these candidates after they've right. been a company and just had an amazing contribution, uh, you know, Kind of a- Sorry, you, I think you could uh, cut off there for a little bit again. Uh, uh-huh. I think you're back though. But yeah, I think that's awesome. And I think people should take pride in that. You know, the little things are definitely, you know, they, they, essentially they're what keep us going yeah. uh, every single day. So that's awesome. If you had one piece of advice for someone starting a software company or someone in the startup space, what would that be? Um, I would say just start it. Um, I know it sounds kind of weird, but I see a lot of people who think about starting companies, you know, and frankly, I myself, I'm, I'm in that boat, you know, when I was an undergrad, uh, I was an electrical engineer, and I really thought about starting a company uh, my senior year. Um, of course, I was 21 at the time, and um, I don't fully remember, but I think I just got scared, you know, I just kind of got into the sucked up into the, well, I don't know what will happen if I doesn't work out. I, I I don't know anything about companies. I've never been worked at a company before. You know, I was one of those kids that never had a summer 
job <laughs> in college. I was kind of just doing research. So I kind of got essentially nervous and scared and I didn't do it, right? And I think typically, even today, I see a lot of people who send me business plans and things like that and, and sort of ask, I'm like, okay, are you doing it? And they're like, no, no, I'm still at my old job and I'm still like working and I'm kind of doing it on the side. And my kind of view on that is, look, every person's financial situation is different and I get that. And, and, and there have been amazing entrepreneurs that have done stuff uh, on the side, you know, I, I always remember the story of Mint.com. I, I believe uh, he like literally coded it and built that whole company while he still had another job, uh, if I remember correctly. And of course, it's been a massive success. But at the same time, I, I do feel like if you can, and if your financial circumstances afford it, and then, you know, I, that is of course a very privileged position to be in, but if you can, then go all in. You know, don't sort of think that you can do it on the side, you know, it, it's okay to take that leap. And, and frankly, I would argue today's economic environment, you know, knock on wood, is probably one of the best times to do that, you know, with record unemployment. Look, what's the worst that can happen? The worst that can happen is you spend a year, it doesn't work out, you learn a lot, you get, come back, you take another job, and you'll probably bring a lot more to that job uh, from your experiences, right? And I think most employers, most enlightened employers will see that positively. We'll see that as someone who can take a risk, someone who's ready to make a commitment, someone who, you know, you learn so much. And it's, and you kind of get this ownership mentality. You know, when I first uh, became a CEO founder at my, at my first startup um, since 2014, you know, I used to take the trash out at the end of the day, right? That is not something I've done in any of the companies that I've worked for, whether it was at Singapore <laughs> Uh, you know, because I just kind of didn't see it as my job, right? Not, not right. that there's nothing wrong with it, but you know, you left at the end of the day and didn't do that. When you're a CEO founder, you're like, you leave at the end of the day, you're typically probably the last person leaving. As you're turning off the lights, you're like, oh wait, this garbage is still here, so what do you do? You roll up your sleeves, you take that garbage out, you, you know, you clean the office, you whatever. So I think that mentality just gives you all the right tools to succeed. And I really believe that, you know, one of the things I love about it, America is that, uh, you know, no job is too small in America. And that was a, a great attitude that I learned, frankly, for the first time in the U.S. versus kind of, um, you know, where I was growing up. Uh, because, you know, there is dignity in work and, and doing all of that yourself really teaches you a lot of things. It teaches you humility as well. Um, and so, yeah, that would be my advice. Long-winded answer, sorry, but go no, for it. I love it, I love it. And uh, what is your favorite book? Uh, you know, my wife makes fun of me all the time because I keep taking this book to reread again and again, but I really love uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Okay. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a, you know, it's, it's not an easy book to read, and <laughs> but I, I think it has a lot of sort of, a uh, lot of great applicability um, to startups and just the ability to kind of analyze your own thinking and how you make decisions and how to make yeah. better decisions, I think is big. Yeah, those books are really good. I actually have not read that one, but there is one that I like a lot and it's, uh, it's actually right here. The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Really good. Oh. It just, it talks about thinking time and how people, you know, they don't take enough time to actually think about what they're going to do, about the decisions they're going to make. They usually just like a, you know, three second thing and you do whatever it is that comes to your mind. But uh, essentially, you take out an hour a day and just write down questions in your, in your mind and, and kind of, you know, answer them and, and stuff like that. And you can write questions about questions uh, and just go on. Uh, but it's really cool. It's a good book. So I'd recommend reading that one as well. Um, if, if you want, obviously. Yeah, that'd be great. 
So, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how much free time I'll have in the next couple of weeks, but uh, <laughs> when I get back from my paternity leave, that's when <laughs> I kind of want to get back into reading. Definitely. And uh, where can people find you online? Sorry, say that again? Where can people find you online? Um, not that much, actually. <laughs> I have a uh, kind of uh, uh, Twitter account, but I've sort of been, as I've been doing the startup thing, I've been kind of pretty busy about that. Uh, but uh, generally, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, uh, yep. partly, partly because of the nature of my job, partly uh, also I find it a very interesting platform because it's kind of this, um, you know, I think you've had a lot of blowback on some of these social media platforms, but LinkedIn, because it's such a kind of work-oriented, professional-oriented environment, uh, has sort of escaped that. And I think yeah, there's value to it. Uh, there, is, yeah, there is value to it, but at the same time, I feel like uh, I sometimes now start approaching it in the same way that I would a Facebook many years ago in the sense of keeping touch with close acquaintances. <laughs> they're not friends, they're more acquaintances people yeah. I work with and so forth. Um, but yeah, uh, and easiest way to contact me is, uh, you know, just drop me a note there or send me an email. You can find my email pretty easily. Just Great. Send me an email. Awesome. And last question. Do you have any questions from me? Yeah. What got you started into doing what you're doing? Uh, it's actually started as a side hustle. Uh, I want to say about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. I've been working in agencies for a while. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, working with agencies, with clients and stuff like that, advertising. And then I decided to take the leap of faith, uh, maybe like six months ago. And okay. then and I wanted to get in front of, you know, SaaS founders, entrepreneurs. And, uh, I figured, you know, the best way to do that is to actually give them a platform to, to share their story at the same time. And obviously that's a way for me to create connections and relationships that are going to essentially be more than just a cold email to you or something like that to, to reach out. Right. So, yeah. uh, that's kind of, how it all started and uh, so far so good. Awesome. Well, I look forward to it. And next time you're in San Francisco, uh, drop me a line to grab a copy. Definitely, definitely. And uh, thank you so much again for being on today. It was a pleasure having you. And uh, for anyone that's watching, please subscribe, like, share, whatever it is that you want to do. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Louise. Thank you. Bye-bye.